Aren't you glad he's chosen us? And we at Crossroads Baptist Church are so glad that he chose a willing vessel and Dr. Don Sisk. For those of us that have been here this week or any length of time at Crossroads Baptist Church, know that the fabric of this church in many ways has been shaped and blessed by the ministry of this man. For many years, he and his dear wife came and were part of it. This church was just one or two years in infancy when he first started coming, and his fingerprint has been all over it. Many of us have watched him hold our children and uh, preach to them. We've, we've seen him walk with us through some mountaintop experiences and, and down through some valleys. And the man he was some 40 years ago, plus when we met him, he still is today. How I many you know it's hard to keep people from changing? And we are so thrilled that God is using him in such a special way. In just a few days, on the 30th of May, he's going to turn 90 years old. And we are blessed that at this age, he's still doing what he's doing every single week, someplace, somewhere, preaching the same book. 82 countries now that he's preached in all over the world, probably just about all 50 states here in America. Served as a pastor in Kentucky, a missionary in Japan, a missions board director in Chattanooga, Tennessee for a long time. Has taught missions in Bible college. Has been a great resource of counsel to men, women, and young people all over the world. I think the part about him that probably gets overshadowed underneath all of that is he's just a good friend. A friend to preachers a friend to men, a friend to families, a friend to anybody. You meet him, it treats everybody the same way. We thank the Lord for his ministry. It behooves all of us to appreciate people while we have them so we're not regretting it when they're gone. And I am so thankful for mainstays in our lives that you can count on no matter what. If you don't know him, take my word for it. He's a mainstay in our lives, a mainstay at Crossroads, and therefore a benefit to all of us. So let's welcome again to Crossroads Baptist Church for somewhere around the 36th, 37th or so time in a row, our dear friend, Dr. Don Sis. times that uh, I want uh, some of the people from Crossroads, when somebody has pronounced me dead, I want some of them to come sing and do a little shouting, and if I don't get up out of that casket, then they can go ahead and bury me, okay? <laughs> I'm on? Yeah, I'm on. I'm on. Huh? Oh, that's on. I got it in my pocket. Uh, Get ready to turn this. That's all right. Push that button. There you go. <laughs> Usually they do that for me, so I don't have to do anything when I get up here, okay? <laughs> but uh, thank you so much. Uh, as um, Mrs. Marlon Bethany was singing that song, 
Uh, he's all I need. Uh, someone has well said, and, and I believe it, uh, you'll never know that he's all that you need until he is all that you have. Okay? And by, by the way, when there is nothing else you can do, when there is nobody else you can go through, that is not a bad situation. That is a wonderful place. I'll take just a minute uh, to uh, tell you about when we first went to Japan. Uh, we didn't know anything about it. We didn't know the language. Uh, we, we did not know how much money we needed. As uh, soon as we got there, we knew we didn't have near enough. Okay. I mean, uh, all we knew was that God wanted us there. And we sold everything that we had just to get enough money to get the ticket for uh, my, my wife, myself, my daughter and son. And uh, we didn't have an option of whether we were going to stay or not. A lot of times now people get to mission field and little things go wrong and they leave. Uh, we didn't have that option. I mean, we spent all the money we could get just to get there. And that Pacific Ocean is too wide for anybody to swim in, amen? <laughs> and, uh, but uh, uh, now here, here's the thing that happened. Uh, in those first three and a half years we were in Japan, uh, we, we had the, the blessing of, uh, and I, I don't know how it happened, okay? There's no way to explain it except God, Okay. But uh, the first three and a half years we were there, uh, God allowed us to start the uh, Cindy Newtown Baptist Church. And in our very first service, we had about 60 people. And the young man that got saved in that service uh, just retired from the pastorate. He is 10 years younger than me. but uh, So he would have been uh, 79 years old. And he just retired, and two of his sons became co-pastors. But he got saved in that very first service. Uh, the first year I was there, and you'd have to know about Japan evangelism to appreciate this. Uh, the, the average attendance in a, an established church in Japan is, is about 25 to 30 people. And on our very first anniversary, we had 139 people. And I had baptized 89 people. And people always ask, well, how in the world did that happen? Uh, God. I mean, uh, you know, for some reason, uh, God made them understand my poor Japanese. I mean, I'm, I made so many mistakes in Japanese. I never will forget the one horrible mistake I made. I was giving the names of our visitors and I said, and I had the young ladies stand up, oh, we're happy to have Miss Kobuta in our service today. And everybody began to die laughing, you know. And when I say something and everybody starts laughing, I know I've made a mistake. And I said, Brother Ijika, what mistake did I make this time? And he said, uh, uh, Doctor, uh, our pastor, uh, her name is not Kobuta is Kubota. And I thought, well, that's not bad. 
Uh, my name is Sisk, and I've been called everything in the world. <laughs> okay. And, and then I, I happened to think, Ko Buddha. That's two words. Ko Buddha. Ko means little. Buddha means hog. So he put them together, okay? We're happy to have Miss Pig in our service today. <laughs> now, ordinarily, most Japanese are very thin, so that wasn't bad or so bad. Guess what? She wasn't, okay? <laughs> but uh, we, we had the opportunity to start the Cindy Newtown Baptist Church, and uh, by the first year, there were five young men that had committed their lives, and a couple of women that had committed their lives to full-time Christian service. So we started the Bible school. We had a real big place to start it in, a room, five by seven. We had a table in it. I'd sit at the head of the table, or the teacher would, and I solicited three other missionaries, and each of us taught one class. And all of those seven young people that came, all of them, except two, and two of them are in heaven, but the other five are still in full-time Christian work. We started a Christian camp, and just on and on, $500 a month. And I realized all I have is God. And guess what? That's all I need. And uh, that, that's all that any of us need. <clears throat> So, uh, Pastor Kenny, thank you again for uh, letting me come. I tell him over and over again, uh, don't, don't have me just because uh, you like me or don't have me just because I'm old. And, and by the way, you won't believe this, but for years, people in Kentucky had me come preach. I preached everywhere because I was the youngest preacher they knew. And now people have me because I'm old. I, I don't think people have ever had me because I'm me, okay? <laughs> but uh, thank you, Pastor, for, for letting me come. And uh, I, I, I love this church. I love, I love you, dear people. Uh, open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to begin reading with, with verse 1. And I don't have to tell you to stand because you always do anyway. But if you're able, that would be good. If you're not able, don't worry about that, okay? Ephesians chapter 2. <clears throat> and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. And by the way, these first two verses, first few verses, uh, God is not very complimentary of us. We didn't need just a little help. We were dead. Okay. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desire of the flesh 
and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Hey, by the way, that's every one of us. I mean, what, what he's saying here is not very complimentary, I mean, you, but it, it's true about every one of us. But then in verse 4, we have a phrase that we find over and over in the Bible. But God. <laughs> okay, that, that, that's all those things that we were. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace, you're saved. Wow. Why don't you read that verse with me? Verse 5, okay? Verse 5. Let's all say it together. Even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you're saved. Wow, that sounds great, amen? Okay. Verse 9, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. We're in him, and he's in us, and we're with him in heavenly places. And then he said the reason for that, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Uh, dear God, thank you for this service we have experienced this morning. What a joy it is to hear people singing and people that love you and praising your holy name. Lord, we live in a wicked world. Many people never think of you, but dear God, thank you for these dear people. Now, I pray that you would help me today to be a blessing to them. And the only way I can do that is that you will bless me. And Lord, I pray you will. And we'll give you the glory for whatever you do in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Several years ago, I was in uh, Southern California, and I was preaching in a young preacher's church, and he was a, a good, good young man. And uh, when I finished my message that day, <clears throat> he came up to me and he said, uh, uh, Brother Sis, that was an awesome message. And that made me feel pretty good. And uh, after the service, we went to in and out How many of you have ever been to in and out Amen. Amen. Don't you wish you had it in Washington, D.C.? So come out to California and see it, and you can get some, okay? But we went to in and out and we were eating that, that hamburger, and it is a fabulous hamburger. And uh, this young preacher said, Brother, sis, this is an awesome hamburger. And all I could think was something like my message, amen. 
Now, uh, awesome uh, is a good word. Nothing wrong with it. Not a dirty word and so forth. Uh, but in my own mind, and, and by the way, it's a rather new word. Uh, not new in like it was started yesterday, okay? But uh, when the King James Bible was written in 1611, uh, that word wasn't even in play. So we do not find it one time in the Bible. So rather than the word awesome, uh, I like the word amazing. Amazing. So, so this morning, I want to speak to you on this subject. Amazing indeed. Amazing indeed. So first of all, think about it. God's amazing grace. But God, in spite of all that we were, but God. Look at God's amazing grace. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. By the way, aren't you glad for that little prefix, UN, ungodly? If he would have said, Christ died for the godly, that would have left every one of us out. But here's grace. Christ died for the ungodly, for scarcely for a righteous man would one die, yet pre-adventure for a good man. Some would even dare to die. But God, and there it is again, okay? But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amazing grace. By the way, uh, the grace of God was not an afterthought after man's sin. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, we read these words. For as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition, but that's fine. But with the precious blood of Christ. Now listen to it. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world. <laughs> and by the way, when Adam and Eve sinned, God didn't scratch his head and say, what in the world am I going to do now? No, no, no. Before there was a world, before there wasn't man, Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. In other words, God's plan is an eternal plan. The grace of God. Listen to a verse that you use often. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death. That's what you deserve. That's what I deserve. And every once in a while I hear somebody make say, all I want is just what I deserve. And I always say, no you don't either, amen. 
if I got what I deserved, and if you got what you deserved, we would spend eternity separated from God in the devil's hell. So the wages of sin is death. And um, mercy is God keeping from us what we deserve. I deserve to die. I deserve to spend eternity separated from God. But God in his mercy. And then in the last part of it, we find the grace. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. Grace is God giving us what we would, could never or would never deserve. God's amazing grace. I never will forget when I led a group of people on a tour of England and we were having our field conference there and we went to Alney, the place where John Newton pastored. John Newton was one of the most wicked men on the face of the earth. Uh, he left home as a 15-year-old boy and got on a ship and he promised to do some work and help him just to go with him. He became a slave trader, one of the most wicked person. And in his biography, you can read about how many horrible things that he did. But one night as that storm, uh, that boat was, that uh, ship was in a storm, he happened to remember that in his baggage, there was a Bible that his mother had given him before she died. It was her Bible. And he got that Bible out, and he began to read it. And by the way, if you read the Word of God much, you're going to come under conviction, amen? And eventually, he trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And he left the slave trade and went back to England, and after a few years, uh, he became a pastor of the church. And he wrote that amazing song. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, but blind. But now I see. God's grace is amazing. One Monday morning in a class in high school. Bill Welch said to me, hey Don, uh, Saturday night we're having a Youth for Christ meeting. I wish you would be my guest. I wish you would go with me. He didn't give me a track. Uh, he didn't try to win me to the Lord. All, all he did was just invite me to the Youth for Christ. And I didn't have any money, didn't have anywhere to go, didn't, you know, didn't have any plans at all. So I said, okay, Bill, I'll go with you. And then I got to thinking, youth for Christ. Now, youth, okay, I can do that. I'm 16 years old. And I know what some of you are thinking. Brother Don, I don't believe you've ever been young. <laughs> but I've got pictures to prove it, okay? <laughs> youth for Christ. Then I... It didn't, it's not Christ. It's 
probably a Christian organization. I don't, you know, my family don't go to church. Uh, I've been to church a few times. I never will forget hearing an old-fashioned Methodist preacher preach about hell. I never will forget hearing a, another man preach about heaven and another one preach about the vicarious suffering of Jesus Christ. And, you know, I, I knew enough about the Bible to know that I was a sinner and that, that I was on my way to hell. In fact, I used to lay in my bed many nights and think, I hope I don't die tonight. If I died tonight, I'd spend eternity in hell. And so I began to look for an excuse not to go, but I couldn't find one. And hey, now, this is the grace of God. Saturday morning when I woke up, I thought, I'm not going to look for an excuse not to go. I'm hopeless. I'm helpless. I don't have any reason for living. Uh, I don't know what they do when they sing that song and people go forward, but whatever they do, I'm going to do that tonight. So I went to church to get saved. I don't know what the preacher preached. I don't know what his name was. All I wanted him to do was quit preaching so I could get saved. And eventually, like all preachers, he quit, okay? <laughs> and when he did, I went forward, and, and when I went forward, a, a Baptist preacher followed me down the aisle, and we kneeled in that altar, and he showed me some things that I knew. You're a sinner. If you died in your sin, you go to hell. Jesus Christ died for your sin. And that night, in simple childlike faith, I trusted Christ as my Savior. Now, I didn't feel any liquid love going up and down my spine. Uh, I didn't see any lights flashing. But when I got up that night, I had the peace of God I'd never had in my whole life. In other words, I had made peace with God, and eventually God gave me the peace of God. I went to church on my way to hell. I went home on my way to heaven. The next morning, I knew I was saved, so the first thing I thought about was, it's Sunday, I better go to church. Usually, I better go play basketball, I better go swimming, whatever. But it, and guess what? Church had changed. I mean, even the preaching was interesting. I mean, it had drastically changed. And, and by the way, it hadn't. Because I went to church that night, and I had physical life, but I had no spiritual life. But I went home that night, and I not only had physical life, I had spiritual life. And I never will forget going to a geometry class again, first class Monday morning. And everything Miss Gladish asked that morning, I knew the answer. And I never will forget her saying, Don, you seem to be extremely bright this morning. <laughs> and all I could think of was, getting saved makes you smarter, Okay. <laughs> Now, I'm not promising a straight A's if you get saved, but that's grace. My first thought after getting saved was this. This is wonderful. Wonderful. That was when I was 16 years old. 16 years old. This is wonderful. My next thought was, I wish my dad was saved. It took about 12 years praying and talking to my dad. But one night in a revival meeting, I put my arms around him. And I said, now, Papa, I've been praying for you for a long time, and I'd sure like to see you saved. Big tears came in his eyes, and he said, son, I want to get saved. <laughs> and he did. 
That's grace. That's great. God's amazing grace. Now think about it. God's amazing plan. God's amazing plan. We've been to mission conference this week. Uh, you, you ought to have been here, amen? It would have been worth your while. Uh, you should have been in Sunday school this morning. You say, don't be so mean, Brother Sid. Well, everybody has to be mean occasionally, amen? But uh, you, you should have heard the wonderful message that uh, your pastor, Brother Baldwin, your former pastor, pardon me, Brother Sid. <laughs> uh, it, it was, it's, it's been wonderful. Now listen to God's amazing plan. Uh, after Jesus had been crucified and put in a tomb, uh, on Sunday morning, early, early, I mean, it was probably still dark, okay? Sunday morning, early, there were some ladies that decided that we need to go and prepare the body of Jesus for the burial. Now, now some of you Bible scholars can help me on this. Uh, for the life of me, I, I don't know why they decided they needed to do that, okay? Uh, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, they were both very wealthy. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they prepared his body for the burial. But uh, these ladies, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, different ones, Mary the mother of James and so forth, several ladies, uh, they got all these spices and everything together and, and they're going to prepare the body of Jesus. Now, the only reason I can figure out that they wanted to do that was they got to thinking, men can't do anything, right? <laughs> okay. Okay, so we'll go and do it right. And uh, as they were going toward the tomb, they had a big problem. And the problem was, how are we going to roll that stone away? I mean, it's a big stone there, and we're, we're just ladies, we're weak. How are we going to roll that stone and guess what? When they got there, to their surprise, the stone had been rolled away. And by the way, I've said this hundreds of times. You've heard it, but it's worth saying again. It wasn't rolled away so Jesus could get out. He could have walked through that stone, amen? He walked through a door. It was rolled away so we could see inside that it's empty. Even a Jewish God, I'll never forget him saying. There's a controversy whether it was the garden tomb or another place. Now, th think about it. He's a Jewish God, but he said, it doesn't make any difference which one. He's not in either one of them. And the angel said unto them, why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Go see the place where he lay. And then that angel said, and by the way, go tell his disciples to meet me at Galilee. Okay? They're on their way to tell the disciples. Then they meet Jesus. And they fall down and begin to worship him. And by the way, when we see him face to face, we too will fall down and worship him. And we are to practice while we're here. Amen? And we did this morning, right? And Jesus said, wait a minute, don't, don't do this now. But he said, go tell my brethren to meet me in Galilee. Now, what did the angels say? Go tell his disciples to meet him in Galilee. 
And, uh, and Jesus said, go tell my brethren, the same group, to meet me in Galilee. Why do you want to meet in Galilee? Well, after the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, he appeared to his disciples time after time. And sure enough, one day, he went to Galilee. And uh, all of the disciples, they, they met him there. It was an appointed place, and they met him there. And uh, they, they began to worship him. And then Jesus said to them, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. That was a unique statement. That's the reason he wanted them to meet him at Galilee. I have all authority. I have authority over demons. I have authority over nature. I have authority over disease. All authority, all power is given unto me. And by the way, if he had not said that, then the next two verses in Matthew chapter 28 would have been a literal impossibility. All power is given to me. And then he said, Go ye therefore. Because all power has been given unto me, go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always. And think about this promise. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. When we are involved in world evangelization, whether it's winning people here, whether it's singing, whether it's praising God, whatever it is, when we are involved in world evangelization, we are working with omnipotence. And it does not matter where he sends you. It doesn't matter where he tells you to go. He is already there. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Thank God he didn't say, now, you fellas, just go and do the best you can. No, you go. And I'm going to be with you, even to the end of the world. God's great plan. Listen to it. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Many years ago, I was preaching in Clearwater, Florida, and Dr. Paul Smith, the son of J. Oswald Smith, probably the greatest missiologist of all time, he told the story that when he was a little boy, every time he'd go to church, he'd look up and there was letters all across the front of the auditorium. And when he finally learned the ABCs, he could look there and pick out A, B, C, D, and so forth. And then when he learned to read, he said, I could read. And this is what that big sign said. It was in front of the the, the auditorium there in People's Baptist Church in Toronto, Canada. No one, now listen to it carefully, no one has a right to hear the gospel twice until everyone has heard it once. That was the great thought of a great man of God, probably the greatest missiology of the 20th century first century, Oswald Smith. Now, he would take as much as a year off from his 
ministry in the church, a big church, in order to go all around the world and find out the needs and come back home and encourage the people in North America to get the gospel to every person on the face of the earth. And by the way, he developed the faith promise giving plan. We owe him much, amen. Would you think about that for a minute? No one has a right to hear the gospel twice until everyone has heard it at least once. You've heard it over and over and over again. Now listen to his mandate. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son. I want you to go to every creature. Everyone is a candidate for heaven, but everyone is on their way to hell until they've trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. God's great plan. World evangelization is God's great plan. Now, that don't mean everybody in the world is going to get saved, but everybody in the world ought to hear the gospel. We owe that to them. Now, listen to our amazing opportunity. Now, many times we look at missions as a responsibility, and it is, okay. But, but I like to look at it not only as an opportunity, or as a, a responsibility, but as an opportunity. You think about it. God wants to use me and you. Now, by the way, in the verses we've quoted today, he's talking to his disciples. Okay? We today are his disciples. How many of you have been saved by the grace of God? Lift your hands real high, will you? Now, by the way, that's the only way you can get saved. Now, keep them up just a minute, okay? Keep them up just a minute, okay? You've been saved by the grace of God. Thank you, man. Put your hands down. Now, every, every born-again child of God ought to be involved in three things. And I often use this for a mission conference. A mission conference is a local church in business meeting deciding the fate of the heathen. What you do with what you've heard this week and what you're hearing now will determine whether some people get to hear the gospel and perhaps trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior or whether they die and spend all eternity in a devil's hell. A mission conference is a local church in business meeting deciding the fate of the heathen. We're in business meeting. And by the way, uh, you're going to vote today. Okay, take, take out your faith promise card for a minute, would you? You're going to vote today. And by the way, when you have a vote, you have options. And uh, you're going to vote today about what Crossroads Baptist Church is going to do financially for world evangelization. Now, I believe that every disciple, every one of us, I'm a disciple, you're a disciple if you've trusted Christ as Savior. And uh, since you are a disciple, this is for you. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. You know what he's saying? Make disciples of all nations. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. 
uh, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Now, uh, if you're not coming back tonight, if, uh, by, by the way, let, let's, 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 get a, let's have a little faith promise this morning. How many of you today would say, now, I don't usually come on Sunday night, but this is going to be a special Sunday night. Uh, so now, now listen to me real carefully. Uh, so a brother says, I'm going to be here tonight. Lift your hands real high. Now, what about you not lifting your hand? What are you going to do? Huh? I'm, I mean, really, you ought to be here tonight. And by the way, it's not because I'm on preach or anything like that. No, uh, something great is going to happen. Now, if, if you don't plan to come tonight, and you ought to plan to come, th then you ought to fill this out this morning and leave it with somebody, okay? Now, now look at it. My faith, promise, commitment. Trusting God to supply. And by the way, he will... If you'll listen to God and you'll make the commitment that he asks you to make, he'll supply, okay? I commit to faithfully give this amount through Crossroads Baptist Church to help spread the gospel around the world. I started with $5 a week many years ago, 1968, and I've increased my offerings every year. Every year, every year. I, 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 I can never tell you the joy of knowing that I'm helping support missionaries to go around the world and preach the gospel. Everybody ought to do this. Listen to one verse. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Now, I know when we say every man, a lot of you ladies say, amen, let the men give. But by the way, he's not talking about gender. Every mankind, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. Wouldn't it be something if this morning every member of Crossroads Baptist Church would make a commitment to give something to missions above your regular tithe and offering? I was with Joel Brown out in Washington not long ago, and he made a statement I couldn't believe until I got my calculator out. But he said, and it's a pretty big church, he said if 350 of us would give $8 a week, our church could give a million dollars to missions. I didn't believe that until I got your calculator out. But go ahead, calculate. Now, don't do it now, okay? Do it after I quit preaching, okay? Uh, $8 a week? He said, good, night, that's a lot of money, ain't it? Yeah, they'll buy you a cup of Starbucks coffee. And you could get that same coffee at McDonald's for a dollar, okay? <laughs> and it'd be just as good, probably be better for me. But think about it, every man, now listen to it, every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, not every man according as he can figure out from his budget, but every man according as he purposeth in his heart. Let God get a hold of your heart this morning. I couldn't help but think we're standing here singing and praising God. And, and most of the world don't know anything about that, folks. And many of them are living in places like Pakistan, for instance.
Mozambique. The deaf people in Brazil. That's what these missionaries that are here this week. They're going to those that don't have the opportunity that we have. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Make disciples. Go win people to the Lord. Baptize them. Teach them. That's our command. And by the way, missionaries are doing it all around the world. Uh, 82 countries I've been. Every one of them I'm visiting missionaries. Every one of them I find people that have been saved, baptized, disciples, serving the Lord, young people being taught. Thank God for what's happening. I tell you, the greatest joy in all the world is to be used of God to get the gospel to people who have never heard. In closing, you say, yeah, you've been long enough. Uh, Sometimes closings are pretty long, okay? But, so, but bear with me, okay? I want you to think about our amazing opportunity. In 2023, and by the way, I never dreamed I'd be living now. If I'd have known I was going to live this long, I'd have taken better care of my body, amen? So I never dreamed I'd be living now. But you think about it. We have more open doors than any other generation of Christians has ever had. We have more trained leaders than any other generation has ever had. Just a few years, a few weeks ago, I uh, visited uh, three different graduations of Bible college. 180, 280, 600 something. More trained leaders. More technology. I mean, we've had a technology explosion in our day. More money. We have more money than any other generation of Christians has ever had. We have more people. November the 15th, the world population reached 8 billion people. You remember the prayers of Jesus? The harvest truly is plenteous. There's 8 billion of them. In his day, there was only 500 million but now there's eight billion. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers. And by the way, the church is the sending agency. And we're sending laborers. Thank God for what you're doing. But think about if everybody got involved, how much more we could do. Here's three simple questions. Now, 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 let me urge you, take it personal. I, it's easy to say, well, I'm a member of Crossroads Baptist Church, and this is what Crossroads Baptist Church is doing. But wait a minute, one day you're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ, and the only one that's going to tell about Crossroads Baptist Church you're going to be responsible is your pastor. But every one of us individually are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the things done in the body, whether they be good or bad. And by the way, I think we'll have to answer, how did you use what I put in your hand
to get the gospel to the rest of the world. Now think about it personally. What am I doing to reach the world with the gospel? Now take it personally. Number two, what am I willing to do? Number three, what are you waiting for? Now think about it. World evangelization is your job, and it's your job, and it's your job, and it's your job, and it's your job. You say, but I'm just, you're one person. And if each of us do all that we could for the glory of God, think about what could happen. Every Christian ought to be giving. Every Christian ought to be going somewhere. Maybe next door. Maybe to somebody in your own family. Maybe across town. Maybe across the world for some of you if you listen. But everybody ought to be going. And then everybody ought to be praying. Every Christian getting involved in world evangelization. Let's bow our heads for prayer. A few minutes ago, I asked all of you that have been saved by the grace of God to lift your hand. Many of you did. But there were some that did not. And I, I wonder for you that could not lift your hand and say, I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm going to heaven. Now, heads are bowed. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's going to embarrass you in any way. But if you could not lift your hand, if you do not know you're saved and going to heaven, would, would you let me pray for you? Now, I'm, I'm, I promise you again, I won't call your name. And I will not embarrass you in any way whatsoever. But I wonder today, say this morning, if there's somebody here today that would say, Brother Sis, I've never been saved. I don't know for sure I'm saved and going to heaven. I, I do know that I certainly don't want to die and go to hell. And I'd like to know that all my sins are forgiven that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life, and that I'll spend eternity in heaven with God. I wonder, would you let me pray for you? Anybody, you're not saved, you need to be saved. Just lift your hand. Lift your hand, let me pray for you. Okay? Just lift your hand, let me pray for you. Man, woman, boy, or girl. Now, dear Lord, I pray for these that need to be saved this morning. Then, dear Lord, I pray for the Christians. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you will lead them to do what they ought to do. And if they're not going to be here tonight, and I hope they will, if they're not going to be here tonight, then I pray today that they'd make their commitment for what they're going to do to help the people of the world hear the gospel at least one time. Bless the invitation as pastor comes. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Keep your heads bowed just a moment. Eyes closed. I know we've been here a little bit of time. We've had a couple to baptize here in just a moment.
Well, I mean, would say today, Dr. Sis asked if you're not sure you're saved, and I don't know if anyone raised your hand today, but how many of you would say, I can't help but hear this without being moved. Nobody deserves to hear the gospel twice until every person has heard it once. Now, you may not understand, and missions conference may be a new concept to you and what's happening, particularly if you've just come this morning, you didn't see Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, not been around here. But the three missionary families that we mentioned this morning, these folks, we say they're missionaries to Pakistan. Listen, they're moving to Pakistan to do what this church does every week over there with the threat of losing their lives for doing it. This is real. This young lady, she's single. She's not married. Her whole family's here. She's going to get on a plane. She's going to go to Brazil. She's going to spend her life reaching deaf people in Brazil with the same message that you just heard this morning. This family's going to take their son, their precious daughter, who's got a number of health issues she's dealing with. But they're going to, they're going to get on a plane and go to Mozambique and tell people Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. So when you write your figure on that card, here's what you're saying. I'm going to help them get there. I'm going to help them buy plane tickets. I'm going to help them eat every day. I'm going to help them keep clothes on there. I'm going to help them live so that they can go to those towns and give the gospel. That's what missions is all about. And the more we give, the more people can go. Because you can't get, listen, you can't walk up to Delta and say, everybody in Mozambique needs to be saved. Now just give me a ticket. It doesn't work that way. And they got to eat. They can't go so when if they don't eat. So, so literally, our money translates to people getting saved. Just when I think about that, because I'm a pragmatic person, be practical with me. Tell me, tell me how I can actually help people not go to hell and go to heaven. I'm telling you, there's no better financial plan that gives more dividends for your investment than missions. Nothing. No bank, no investment at all. You are literally investing in a life being salvaged from hell. Now you find me one financial plan that's that good. Let me say, Pastor, God spoke, I want to do my part so that every person in the world, now some people have heard it and said no, but some people, the vast majority, maybe two-thirds of the entire population in the world, have never heard a clear plan on how they can go to heaven. That's not fair. It's not fair. Not where we get up here to hear these folks sing this week and this morning. You can do something about it. How many say, God spoke to my heart. I want to do my part. I'm going to tell you what to give. But we can all do something. And we ought to give to this in a way that reflects how important we think it is. I mean, if it's, you know, if it's, if, if it's $3 worth of importance for people not to go to hell, then do that. But for me, whether people go to hell is more important than a cup of coffee. By the way, and I know Dr. Sis would, would mind this. Some of you might be thinking, well, $8 a week, that's not, it's, it's $8 a day to get us to 350 people to give a million dollars a year. So I don't want us to think low. Let's think, 
The more I do, the more people get the gospel. That's the way my mind works. I want the most bang for my buck. And I just wonder what it will be like to get to heaven one day and have people of all kindred, tribe, and tongue walk up to us and say, your church gave money so that a missionary could come to my town, my bush, my village, my tribe. I got saved because you gave. Wouldn't that be a blessing? Let's think that way. All over the building, would you pray and ask God to help you? And as I pray, we'll get ready to receive these commitments in just a moment. Our Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to come. I pray, God, that you will take every gift and use it for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Dad's going to come and receive these.